0: Take a look at the beautiful Ristafallet Waterfall in Sweden. We've said before, you will never find a waterfall without an edge. Well, today we also note that beyond the waterfall's outpour, there is usually the ongoing flow from a pool below. In spiritual growth, the river of life flows in streams of generosity, generosity that comes from above and then keeps flowing below. Our Lord taught us, freely you have received, freely give. Today, Pastor Ryan helps us get in the flow with a refreshing teaching on how the blessing of generosity works, especially in our finances. But don't be afraid. This edge invites you into fullness, not falling, not not cut off, but connected. Here's Pastor Ryan with today's encouragement to be part of the out.
1: Thank you so much, Pastor Bill. I'm honored to share today as one of the pastors on staff as we all seek to live into our edge together. Today, I simply wanna show you what God's word says about generosity and invite you to let God's spirit come to you and grow your generosity edge. A few years back, my wife and I ventured with our children to Lake Lanier, just outside Atlanta. And those of you who grew up in the South, you know that Georgian lakeside beaches are a little bit different than South Florida seaside beaches. And here's the difference. Mud. Good old-fashioned Georgia red clay mud. No offense to Georgians, I don't like your mud. But my kids loved it. I recall one moment in particular when my son Levi got his feet firmly stuck in that Georgian mud. I saw it happen. The mud locked him down. He panicked. His eyes glared at me. He reached his hands out to me as if to say, save me, daddy. As I reached down to lift him out, I realized that that mud held onto him so tight that if I lifted him any harder than what I was, then I, I feared that I might actually hurt him. So instead I bent down and I literally dug out his little feet in that Georgian red clay mud and then when I lifted him up, we heard that, that that suction sound, which just totally just made the moment that much more disgusting for me. But friends, straight up, straight up, materialism is like Georgian red clay mud. It slowly molds around our feet and anchors us into empty promises. Some of us have been existing in this space for a long time. One theologian defines the distance between our existence and our essence as sin. Our essence represents who God created us to be. Did you know that God made you in his image and gave you the charge of stewarding God's created world. I mean, how amazing is that? The psalmist wrote, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's your essence. Your existence, however, is who we really are, broken and prone to wander from our God. The apostle Paul described our existence when he wrote, as for you, you were dead. That's how scripture describes our essence. Without God, we're dead. We're dead in our sins and transgressions in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Sin is like a, man, it's like a wedge driver separating us from our God-created essence on the one hand and resulting in the hardening, death-dealing despair of our hearts toward God, others, and ourselves as our existence. In our current cultural moment, I know of no greater reality and no more socially acceptable wedge driver (laughs) between our essence and our existence than materialism. Materialism is the act of giving our hearts affection over to the things of this world rather than to God. Monetary resources enable materialism, but materialism doesn't result from money. And I think that's an important distinction for us to know today. Money isn't what sticks us in the mud. Rather, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, Paul tells us. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs because of it. Many griefs follow the love of money, not money itself. Materialism is what pierces our hearts. That's why God's word says above all else, guard your heart. Guard it for, the, for everything you do flows from it. Friends, this message Today isn't so much about generosity as it is about freedom. Jesus wants to give you freedom. In his own words, Jesus said, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And generosity is a means toward experiencing freedom, toward experiencing our essence lived out in our existence. Generosity is like a healing balm applied to a pierced heart it's like the it's the antidote to materialism's poison in fact the stem of the term generous derives from the latin term gen which means to beget or give life at the at the root of generosity itself not just semantically but in reality is life generosity is life generosity gives life quite liter, quite literally generosity saved Our lives. For God so loved the world that he gave, God gave, God gave his one and only Son to us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is a God of life, and God so desires to reconcile your essence with how you exist in our material world that 2,000 verses of God's Word speaks directly to materialism and finance, including 16 of Jesus's 38 parables. Can you believe that? Specifically, God's word refers to a principle called tithing. Now, if this word makes you cringe, and for some of you, for some of you, it might, then I truly hope that by the end of this message, this word takes on new meaning, and instead of making you cringe, it becomes synonymous with freedom. Tithing and freedom. Tithing and freedom. Tithing derives from an Old Testament principle known as the first fruits and translates literally to one-tenth. The principle became fully realized in Christ himself, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, God's first fruit over all of creation. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Friends, in the same manner that God gave Christ as the firstborn, the first fruit over all of creation, in order to save the world, tithing our first fruits is a faith response that reveals a heart free from materialism and fuels the mission of the local church in the world. God didn't hold anything back and neither should we in return to God. As God in the flesh, Christ's sacrifice on the cross represented God himself, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. On the cross, friends, listen to this. On the cross, Christ released every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms to you. Thus tithing neither obligates nor activates God's blessing for you. It it has already been given to you. Everything has already been given to you in Christ. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift. It's a generous, whole gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Friends, our sin incurred a debt to God that could only be paid by our death. Yet on the cross, Christ bought us back from our death and unleashed blessing upon us. Jesus redeemed us. And in doing so, God forgave us by assuming our debt upon himself and dying our death that we deserve. God made our death his own and forgave us of a debt that we owe to him. And you know what the craziest part about all this is? Is that God freely chose to do this for you. God didn't obligate himself to do this, nor did God feel coerced by us to do this. Rather, God extended his grace and mercy to us because God loves us that much. And as a result, you aren't your own. You were bought at a high price. God paid it all for you because that's how much God loves you. Through Christ's sacrifice, your heavenly father made a way for you to experience the essence of your life in your existence here and now into eternity. Thus, new life begins today, now and forever with God. In love, God freely gave and God forgave. I mean, this is so radical. I mean, it's reckless. It's scandalous even when you think about it, that that we would be forgiven of so much and then blessed with so much without doing anything to earn it or deserve it. But friends, that's just what love does. And God modeled perfect love for us in Christ. God gave us Christ in perfect love. You know, for some, this phrase, blessed with so much that I just just mentioned. Blessed with so much, it, it implies Material blessing when we use it, doesn't it? I mean, when we say we've been blessed with so much, it usually means that we have more material goods than perhaps we we realize or maybe even that we feel we deserve. But, but that phrase, blessed with blessed so much, it implies material blessing. And often we use the phrase we, we've been blessed in reference to material gain or wealth. And conversely, when the amount of our material wealth or goods, when they decrease, we, we don't feel blessed, do we? We feel like things are being taken away from us. But what would you think if you learned that that's not how God's word defines blessing? God's word defines blessing so much differently. In the New Testament, blessing doesn't mean material increase, it means more of God's life, more of God's power, more of God's joy made alive in you by Christ's Spirit. Blessing means more of God. And what generosity does is it roots out materialism from our life like a a road a rooter in the heart. It roots out materialism in order to make more space for God's life in you. That's the blessing. The blessing is more of God. Every spiritual blessing in Christ refers to the everlasting wellspring of God's spirit that washes us clean and sustains us. It refers to the fruits of God's spirit bearing forth in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things, Paul says, there is no law. I mean, th- these blessings never cease. These blessings give life and always satisfy and lead to unending joy, filling you with God's presence from the inside out, from the overflow. I mean, that's, that's worth more than all of the gold in the world. Tithing is the overflow of the unending life-giving blessing of God in our lives. It proclaims that we trust God with our money, not trust money as our God. The practice of tithing returns a small portion back to what already belongs to God in order to Fuel and enable God's work through your life to a world in need. The psalmist wrote, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In fact, one of the sources that I used for this message is a book called The Blessed Life, written by a pastor named Robert Morris. It's a goldmine of wisdom that I highly commend to you in order to help you live more fully, on the edge of your generosity, Morris writes, "Tithing declares that it isn't how much one has that matters; it's who it, it's whose it is that makes the difference." You know, sometimes I mean, if we <laughs> if we just be real honest for a moment, you know, sometimes tithing I I think, and, and sometimes for me too, it, it feels like the opposite of this statement. Sometimes tithing can feel like a loss, doesn't it? Especially during seasons of crisis and hardship like this one. And, and you know what I've learned at this stage of life also? And I'm just gonna be real honest with you about this too. What I've learned at this stage of life is I just feel like everyone's out for your money, <laughs> right? I mean, it just feels like every piece of consumerism is trying to just get a piece, get get a piece of what of what belongs to us. And sometimes, even in our, our worst moments, it can feel like God's after the very same thing too. Like God's after our, our money, like God's after our wealth. And I think what what perpetuates that is when some churches and pastors justify these feelings of loss and fear based on their unfaithful teachings about generosity. They make tithing sound more like karma, like what goes around comes around, like you give it and more is gonna be given back to you and your wealth is gonna increase. I mean, what's that about? That's nowhere in God's word. Rather, tithing is a faithful response that reveals a a heart free from materialism and fuels the mission of God's kingdom through the local church. If if you feel that way, if if you feel how I just described, then allow me to offer you a different perspective today. Those teachings and those fears, those are a result of existence thinking. You won't find fear in God's word. God didn't create you for the sake of your own existence. God made you for a love-filled relationship with him, with God, with others, and even with yourself. That's your essence. Though this takes place in a material world, essence thinking seeks to leverage everything within one's capacity, including one's own life even, to follow God's call, to follow God's command to love. And these aren't my words, <laughs> friends. These are Jesus's words. He described essence thinking when he said to his disciples, Who, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the world, the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Essence thinkers, Jesus' disciples, view tithing as a small gift of gratitude back to God for what already belongs to him. They see their tithe as an investment, not a loss, into God's kingdom in order to advance the gospel mission throughout the whole world so that all people may know and receive the same gift of grace and mercy that we as Jesus followers have received And no, God isn't after your money because it already belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. Everything you have has been given to you by God's grace. Tithing isn't some kind of consumer-driven business model. It's a faith response that reveals a heart free from materialism and fuels the mission of God's kingdom through the local church. Everything you own already belongs to God. That's the great irony. So be diligent with your resources and instead consider how giving your first fruits to God serves to redeem the other 90%. For Jesus' father, tithing isn't giving up 10%, tithing is receiving 90%. It's receiving 90% of what already belongs to God as a gracious and merciful gift. Of God. Essentially, the principle of the tithe confronts us, I I really believe, it ultimately confronts us with the question of trust. Do we trust God to sustain us after we give Him our first fruits? Do do we trust God to truly provide for us and to meet our needs? Materialism always answers that question no. You, You can't trust anyone but yourself. Materialism says, get as much as possible. Hoard it and preserve yourself, your control, and your own power. But tithing says, I'm giving out of God's abundance. If everything I have already belongs to God, then I'm gonna give back to God what belongs to him and what's been given to me in abundance. He's already given more in Christ than we could ever acquire, and more than we could ever give away. Thus, to live wisely with God's resources means stewarding well the 90% of God's resources for our sustenance and not hoarding the 100% at the expense of fulfilling God's call to love. Tithing, therefore, is a principle. It's not a law. It's a principle that bears witness to our reception of God's love in Christ and our desire to love others as we seek to love ourselves. It's a means of unsticking us from the muddiness of this world where moths and vermin destroying, where thieves break in and steal. Tithing lifts our eyes above sea level and into faith level. Faith level is essence thinking. That's who we are. That's who God created us to be, which sees the world through God's eyes and understands how generosity invests into exponential kingdom impact that reverberates into eternity. Jesus tells his disciples to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Tithing places your heart on the top shelf where it stays protected from the moths and vermin of materialism that, that, that wanna eat it up. And at the end of the day, I, I really think tithing guards your heart. Tithing guards your heart against the love of money. I mean, let's get real. If you don't mind me getting real with you, if you aren't tithing or even giving anything, then perhaps you feel a certain way about money that's unhealthy and unfaithful for you. And you know, I I realize that, that all of what I'm sharing today, I'm fully aware that all of what I'm sharing today completely contradicts all of the dominant cultural narratives of our society that constantly barrage us with get more, get more, acquire more, protect yourself, hold on to your power, hold on to your control. And I totally understand how tithing completely gets washed away and all that. But you know, tithing is the antidote to that. The good news of Jesus offers a different word over your life than the futile endeavors of your own self-preservation. And tithing bears witness to the gospel's transformative work in a person's life. Tithing is a a faithful response that reveals a heart free from materialism and fuels the mission of God's kingdom through the local church. All of the world wants a piece of your heart, but tithing declares who your heart belongs to. It says says money ain't got my heart. (laughs) It, It says money can be used for so much good in this world, and we all need it for our own sustenance, It's necessary for life and to advance God's mission in the world. But a generous Christ follower living into God's essence says, I love the one who created my heart more than I love money. Tithing declares this heart ain't for sale, friends. The the tithe is a response to your faithful essence bearing forth in your life, not lawful existence. You know, religious people sometimes make such a big deal out of the tithe. You know, pride can easily become entangled into it. But Jesus harshly criticized those individuals who make such a big deal out of it. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Tithing both reveals and fuels the most important matters of your faith, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Our lives need to be about these things, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But then in his very next breath, Jesus says, but you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, meaning keep the tithe. That's a great practice for all of the reasons that we just stated. Keep the tithe, but make your life about justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Let your tithe be in service to the larger calling of your faith. Let your tithe fuel those things. You know, what I find so remarkable about this passage here is that Jesus undeniably affirms the tithe. He doesn't command it, but he says practice it because ultimately tithing is a faith response that reveals a heart free from materialism and fuels the mission of God's kingdom through the local church. You know, for some of you, living on the edge of generosity is your next great adventure. I mean, seriously, as crazy as that may sound for you, this is your next great adventure. And I'm certain that right now, God's Spirit may be nudging some of you to consider opening your heart to a new season of renewal and freedom in your life. So, my encouragement to you is this pay attention, listen, lean in, talk to others about this, talk to trusted mentors and other brothers and sisters in Christ. Go to God's word and read for yourself what God says about generosity and how God demonstrated his generosity for you. All of the scriptures used in today's message are in the notes. Go back and read them for yourself and allow God to invite you into a new way of life and relationship with him through your generosity. You know, others of you may actually possess the spiritual gift of generosity. This gift starts where tithing ends. Tithing is the practice of giving your first fruits of your pre-tax gross income to your local church. That's specifically what tithing means as a practice here and now. This is based in Malachi 3.10, which reads, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which in modern day language means the church says the Lord Almighty, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test God with your generosity and discover how God desires to multiply your gifts for the sake of his kingdom. I mean, you think that a 10% return in the markets is good? Imagine eternal dividends going on forever through your gifts, through your tithe. The spiritual gift of giving extends beyond the tithe into offerings that fund and fuel the mission of God's kingdom beyond your local church. Paul wrote in Romans twelve eight, if your gift is giving, then give generously. These individuals view their primary way of serving God's kingdom through generosity. While tithing applies to all Christ followers, the spiritual gift of giving applies to only some. These givers believe with the proper confidence that God created them and provided them with resources in order to advance the gospel. So to you, my friend, if you feel this, this makes your heart beat fast. Then lean in and ask God how God will lead you to apply your wealth, your resources to fuel the mission of God's kingdom around the world. As with every spiritual gift, From everyone who's been given much, Luke tells us, much more will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Together as Christ's body in Miami and throughout the world, let's commit to three points of growth with our generosity, beginning first with our focus to help each other's existence become more congruent with our essence. Let's be men and women of integrity, choosing Christ over sin and over our propensity toward materialism. Let's commit to praying for one another, inviting others into our family, into our church, and doing life together in community through small groups. For more information about this, visit christjourney.org smallgroups small groups and get involved with us. And second, wherever we may be on our generosity journey, let's all commit to take a step closer to the edge of our generosity. If you have never given anything to your local church, then try starting with just 1% and see what happens. If you already give 1%, then try giving 2%. Let's all take a step closer until we reach the point where we're giving our full tithe to the storehouse to be used to share God's word and to help other people follow, find and follow Christ all around our city and around the world. If you already give a full tithe, then consider giving an offering above and beyond your tithe to fund a missionary or other Christian organization committed to faithful work in your community. Let's all take a next step together and witness how God multiplies. Witness how God's promises come true, not only in our life, but through our resources for the sake of his kingdom and God's glory. And third, for some of you, this message may resonate but practically speaking, you're underwater and you're living outside your means and unable to experience or even consider financial generosity for yourself and your family. Friend, if this is true for you, then would you consider allowing your church, Christ's journey, to come alongside you in order to help you achieve financial freedom and fund and fuel the mission of God's kingdom through your local church. We've all been there. There's no shame. Several times a year, our group's ministry hosts a study called Financial Peace University. My wife and I completed FPU in 2013, and it literally changed everything about how we understand and use our finances, how we use God's resources. Each FPU cycle is led by highly trained non-judgmental leaders who not only understand God's principles for finances, but they long to help others live into freedom. For more information about Financial Peace University, getting out of debt, and living into the biblical principles of financial freedom and generosity, then please email groups at christjourney.org and simply say, I want it, I'm in. Just let them know and they'll respond to you and help you take your next step. Friends, let's not say trapped another year in the mud of materialism. God freed us in Christ and blessed us in abundance. So let's sharpen our generosity edge together and witness how God will change the world through your giving. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you that when we turn our backs against you, that you turn toward us and you gave your son to us, so that we may be saved and set free. God, we thank you and we praise you as a God who has made yourself known to us as a generous God, as a free God, as a God who loves us so much that you gave and you blessed us before we ever knew it. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for every person listening to this message today for for stirring in their hearts and for taking a a difficult subject and turning it back to you. God help us. The the pull of materialism works hard on our heart to take away our freedom and to turn our eyes away from you. And so, Lord, by the power of your spirit, give us the courage to keep our eyes fixed on you, to keep our hearts guarded by the power of your spirit, and to keep our hands open to how we may, how we may help fuel your mission in our city and around the world. God, thank you. We love you. And we make this prayer in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you today, not only are you considering what your next step in generosity might be, but but you want to take a first step in your relationship with Jesus. And you want to go all in with Jesus for the first time and make him the Lord of your life. If so, then would you simply pray this prayer with me? God, today I'm turning from my own way and I'm going to you. I'm looking to you, God. And I receive the free gift of salvation that you've made possible for me through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Today, I receive your forgiveness and my desires to walk in step with you. So Lord, help me. Give me your spirit and help me keep my hands open to how I may live generously with my life to show the world that my heart belongs to you. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ who saved me and set me free, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me, that we wanna celebrate with you, we we wanna come alongside of you, and there will be next steps with you after this message ends to help you take your next step with our church. But if you don't mind, I just wanna pray a final prayer for all of us as we all seek to to live on the edge of our generosity. So would you pray one last final prayer with me as we invite God's spirit to come alive and lead us forth. God, we need you. We need you now more than ever as we seek to live on the edge of our life, on the edge of eternity. So help us continue growing in how we may share our faith with you, on how we may invite others into relationship with you, on how we may give our lives away in order to show who owns our heart and then live fully empowered, to live our lives for you in this world. God, we receive your courage today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us as we make this prayer in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.